Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. You're invited to I Am The Key One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. But we are here with the cutest one, and that is Melissa Beck from Real World New Orleans and Real World Homecoming New Orleans. Hey, Melissa. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Donnie and Chelsea, for having me. This is like such a cool podcast um, premise. I'm like so excited to talk about what we got to talk about today. Oh, thank you. Thank we you. We are so excited to talk with you. We are. We really are. And I don't want to make you or myself feel old, but you were such like a big part of my formative years, we'll call them. So I wanted to make sure the movie we were covering when you were here was a big part of your formative years. It was. Hold on. So let's skip the part where you're you're not trying to make me feel old. It <laughs> doesn't matter. I'm going to feel old. So how old were you when you were watching Real World? Your season, I was ninth grade. Ninth grade. So that would mean you were I was 15? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. We'll take a 15. Because sometimes yeah. I meet people and they're like, I was 11. And I was like, you should not have been watching Real World. <laughs> I mean, I did watch Real World when I was 11. But like Hawaii and New Orleans were my, when I think about the real world, that's what I think about. So then I wanted to make sure the movie we talk about meant something to you. So we asked and you picked Welcome to the Dollhouse. Welcome to the Dollhouse is literally a top two movie for me and an eight number two. I know that sounds so crazy. People probably have really super intellectually stimulating or like, I don't know. I feel like maybe my favorite movie should not be Welcome to the Dollhouse, but it <laughs> truly really is. And I've always been a fan of Todd Salons and, and Heather Matarazzo this entire time because of it. It emphasizes that feeling of otherness mm -hmm. that so many of us struggle with in middle school, but it does it on such a heightened, funny, dark way that there's so many pieces of the movie that resonated with me. Just, you know, that kind of awkward, ugly, a lot of emotional feelings vibe. And I just, mm -hmm. and there are so many gems and there are so many nerds. Yeah, It's such yeah. a special little film. I really love it. Well, I appreciate you bringing this to us because part of, and I call it a shtick, but it's just actually my real life. I am that person that before Donnie and I started this podcast, if someone was like, you should check out this movie or haven't you seen what? Like my answer is always no. My answer was always like, <laughs> haven't seen it pop culture blind spot. I just missed every formative movie ever. So part of this podcast is me experiencing things for the first time. And this was <laughs> the first time I watched this movie. I'm not going to lie. You threw us a little bit of a curveball, or I should say me. <laughs> I wasn't knowing what I was getting into. And then I'm like, oh, this is like dark, but lovely. It really hit me in a lot of ways that I was not expecting. So thank you for bringing this to me because I mean, honestly, I really enjoyed it. I'm a person that really loved Pen15. So like when I saw Pen15, it brought back the dollhouse feelings. And I was yeah. like, yeah, this is this is the pocket of like weird, but lovely, but dark yeah, that I yeah. would really like to explore in my own like writing. Yeah, my like coping mechanism is to run away from reality. So all my favorite movies are like very glamorous and bright colors and like a movie, like a theatrical event. So this, I have vivid memories of actively passing this movie at Blockbuster. Because I was like, no, too real, too real. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but how did you feel after? It is the most real movie we've ever covered. Like I told Chelsea, this felt the least like a movie out of everything we've watched, but it felt the most like middle school. Like mm -hmm. I felt something watching this. And we'll get yeah. to all of that. Okay, let's get to it. Let's get to it. So I do want to set the scene. The movie came out May 24th, 1996. So at that time, The Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony was the number one song in the US. And Ooh Ah Just a Little Bit was number one in the UK. 
Also this week, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air aired its series finale on NBC. And in the box office, Mission Impossible, Twister, Spy Hard, Flipper, and The Truth About Cats and Dogs were top of the charts. So just so you know what else was going on in the world when this movie came out. I mean, what a time, because Bone Thugs and Harmony also is one of my top tier musical acts, have loved them forever. Their part on Mariah Carey's Breakdown, another song that doesn't get enough play, uh, a classic. (laughs) Wow, that's I I love, I, I didn't even think about the things that were happening in the world at the time that the movie came out, because the movie was such a weird cult little gem that you had to be kind of weird to be into it. But now I feel like it's, it's, it's held up in the ways that it should have (laughs) in that weird dark space that I think that movies like um, Napoleon dynamite, like that was the vibe they were going for, but like welcome to the dollhouse was the predecessor to all of that. But even like some of the stuff that, quote unquote, doesn't hold up that we will talk about at the end, it still in a weird way holds up that much more because it's so 1996. Mm -hmm. So all of the things that don't hold up because 1996 in itself doesn't hold up in a 2022 world, like it is such a accurate depiction of what it was like during that time period, if that makes sense. It absolutely does. Yeah. I do want to give some background and trivia about the movie before we jump into the plot. The tagline for the movie was, not all girls want to play with dolls, which is why it always caught my eye every time I passed it at Blockbuster, because it said dollhouse, and then the tagline was about dolls, and then I would read the back and say, still no, (laughs) still no. (laughs) But in 2022, the answer is yes. The budget was 800000 and it made four hundred. Million five hundred sixty nine thousand worldwide. It was directed and written by Todd Salons, as most already said, and he hasn't done anything that I think our listeners have ever heard of. But he did have a small part in As Good as It Gets as the man on the bus. So you might recognize him from that, cutie. You know what he did after this? He did a film with. Um, it was called Happiness. And he did it with Philip Seymour Hoffman, who I also love very much. You know what? I hope Todd Salons finds this one day. He's scrolling through his Apple podcast and I hope he finds it because I would really love to meet that man. I'm going to tell you what, because he's such a weirdo and I just love him so much. Ask, believe, receive cuties. If you have a connection, slide into (laughs) Melissa's DMs. Let's make it happen. Tag him in the show notes if he has Instagram. (laughs) So a little bit of trivia. Heather Matarazzo later said that filming this movie made her aware of her own sexuality because she did research after the scene where she was called a lesbo because she didn't know what that word meant. And when she discovered the definition, she realized that's what she was. But she was uh, raised Catholic, so she felt ashamed. And it took her nine more years to be comfortable enough to come out. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's I never even thought about the work informing her later life. Yeah. That scene where she's holding up her hand and it's so awkward. It's like painfully awkward. Uh-huh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she played this character just beautifully. She always does, though. She always does. So we're at the part of the show where I want to know what character, if any, do you identify as? Melissa, you can go first. I mean, I feel like I'm a total Don Wiener. I think I'm a total Don Wiener that probably grew up to be, you know, as sassy as the snotty little sister, you know, with a little bit of orthodontia and um, skincare. Uh (laughs) But that otherness that Don Wiener exemplified in the film resonated with me so much because I was a military brat, moved around all, you know, my childhood. And when we moved off base for the first time, nobody looked like me anymore. So when we lived on base, everybody's dad was black. Everybody's mom was Asian. Everybody was a mix of whatever. And then when my dad was finally getting to a space where he was choosing the state that he would retire in, he ended up retiring in Florida. We lived in a small, tiny little podunk town outside of Tampa. And it was, you know, deep Southern, mostly white neighborhood. And so like that otherness was just like, yes, that feeling that she has. But also Don Wiener was also really trying hard to fit in. Like she was really trying hard to observe and like do what the other girls do. And it was just so off the mark and so wrong because it was never going to be her. Like I remember those feelings, but I also specifically remember abandoning that. Just be like, you know what? It's not going to work out, Melissa. You just got to do you to say this this ain't going to work. So like I'm different from Don Wiener in that sense, but like that feeling of really 
knowing that there's something off about yourself that isn't going to work with this, this out group and um, to either embrace it. Cause I felt like she also embraced her nerdiness, you know, yeah. like just her, her walk, her dance, her, her outfits, like everything about her was just so lovely and charming and like unabashedly nerdy. And I just think she was so special, but then I also liked the big brother. It was like so mean and matter of fact, but wrong yeah. in so many ways. So you're just the whole Wiener family tree then, Melissa. Oh, listen, I'm the mom too. Get that mess out my backyard. There's so many people I resonate with. <laughs> Chelsea, who are you? Well, of course, as is tradition, our guest gives like a beautiful, insightful, heart-wrenching account of who they are. I am Cookie, the girl who stands up and makes an announcement about her birthday party for literally no reason. That's me. I'm like, excuse me, just attention on me for one second. I just want to remind everybody it's about to be my birthday. Oh my gosh, I forgot how horrible Cookie was. (laughs) Okay, so Donnie, who are you? I am not stealing your answer. I promise I have it in my notes. But Dawn was who I was as a child. And then I did grow up to be a Missy. Like Dawn is who I was inside. And then I think I decided to show the world the little sister in the tutu. Yeah. L- listen, it, and it happens that way. When, when you have time to like marinate in your awkward mm-hmm. and really own that piece of who you are and you're super confident in it. I feel like there's there's so much space to become a Missy Absolutely. and start, you know, pirouetting all over the goddamn place. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's time. Melissa, we warmed you up, but now the pressure is on. We're okay. putting one minute on the clock. And can you give us the synopsis of the movie? Yes. Welcome to the Dollhouse is a dark coming of age film focusing on Don Wiener, a 13-year-old dork who has to navigate a lonely family life, a gorgeous little sister, a domineering mom who doesn't understand her. And in all of this, she falls in love with the hottest, sexiest bar mitzvah party singer. (laughs) Hilarity ensues. (laughs) See, now, if that was the back of the VHS box, I would have rented it. (laughs) So... Our movie begins, like Melissa said, with Don Wiener, a glasses-wearing seventh grader, played by Heather Matarazzo. And for those of you who don't know her by name, that is Lily from The Princess Diaries, Tia from Saved, and Randy's sister from the Scream franchise. So now that you know who brings this character to life, you know the kind of girl we're dealing with here. What? What do you mean by that, Like, Heather Matara... Okay, so with other, like, versatile actresses like Jennifer Aniston or Mandy Moore, you have to give the character, like, five minutes before you see what kind of person I love that in your world, you're like, the versatile actresses... I mean, Mandy Moore, yes, of course. Fine. But I love that, like, you had to find a way to say the words Mandy Moore in a podcast. Go on. Okay, hold on a second. You have a uh, an irrational love for Mandy Moore because I'm missing you like a day. Don't get me started. Marissa, I went to her concert this weekend and I cried the entire time. The entire time. I mean, she's a treasure. And I feel that she has always been an underrated treasure in the pop yes. world. I felt that she was robbed in the Jessica Brittany years because baby girl was really singing. She was. Me too. Thank you. Do I need to leave? I'm like, (laughs) maybe I should just go at this point. (laughs) Melissa, you're just speaking what he, like the rants that he texts me, you've just spoken out loud. Like, I'm not convinced that he didn't like slip you a 20 before the show just to say all of his takes. No, but you know what else is very special about Mandy Moore that like just really endeared her to me in ways that like make no sense. And I should not even be this deep about this lady who doesn't know anything about what I'm doing or what I'm saying. So it doesn't matter if I'm going to exalt her. Her house Mm. is a mid-century modern masterpiece, beautiful gem. Her taste level is so freaking high. Just Google Mandy Moore house. She's one of those people who, I think probably has every back copy of Domino magazine just because she's that cool. Her color choices. I don't know. Google it. 
Google Mandy Moore's house and you will fall in love with her in a different way just because her taste level is so high and immaculate and beautiful and different and like Palm Springsy, but not, but like accessible, but like kid friendly, but not. I don't know. Her, her personal style is really fantastic. You're absolutely right. I spent the beginning of quarantine with her. I mean, not at her house, but like she did those live shows every Thursday and I was there for everyone. <laughs> and the house was beautiful. It was. It was. You speak no lies. <laughs> so, Donnie, I know that when Mandy Moore's name is said, your brain just explodes to another planet. So the original thought before I thank cut you, you off you. was that she's a versatile actress. So yes, that's correct. So like in a movie with Mandy Moore or Jennifer Aniston or whoever, you need to like give the character five minutes to see what we're working with. But with Heather Matarazzo, once you see her name on the like opening credits, you know the character we're getting, which I love. So, with that said, naturally, Dawn is teased constantly at school, and even the kids she saves from bullying doesn't have time for her and calls her a lesbo as a little thank you. Brutal. (laughs) It is. Brutal. Melissa, our listeners know that I was bullied in middle school and then decide to be the bully in high school, and Chelsea played sports, so we know what that means, but where did you... (laughs) Where did you stand in middle school? You know what's weird? I was really truly a chameleon in middle school. I kind of didn't fit in anywhere specifically. So I kind of just floated around. But I also in middle school was the time that I discovered hardcore music and like, you know, deep cut weird stuff. And in that weird space, I felt like I belonged, which is was really kind of priming me for the way that I would end up meeting my husband who plays in a hardcore band and like there would be no reason why I would know what a glass jaw is but I did you know so thank you for not belonging uh it it worked in my favor at that time I never was bullied and then became a bully it wasn't like the kind of bullying that you're seeing in welcome to the dollhouse where it's overt and right in her face it would be like weirder like subversive quiet stuff like oh where's who are her parents like what does she do like it would be like okay she's weird where is she from like that, but not like the in your face stuff that shapes you and molds you, you know, like, cause I sort of just had my whole own weird insular. I mean, Shorty and Mercy are my parents. <laughs> yeah. yeah if, if they were bullying, I was going to survive it. Shorty yeah. would make sure that. So, wow. That's interesting to hear. I'm now I'm feeling so bad that I made you watch this film. I, be, no. I feel like it did it trigger you the whole no. time. <laughs> it was in a good way. Yes. I played a lot of sports. I'm Sporty Spice of this podcast, but also As my mother famously told me, high school was a time for me to develop my personality because I was the girl with missing canine teeth and pink braces and pink hair in high school that I just don't think, I think I always had delusions of grandeur. So like people may have been mocking me, but I didn't know Mm. or notice or care because I was like, this is who I am. Enjoy. You know, But that's so wonderful. And you put that out to the world so much that I forget about the missing canines and the pink hair. Like, I I always think of you as Blake Lively and Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants when you were a little uh-huh. bit Amber Tamblin, too. Yeah, and I forget definitely. that. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So you had, like, unbridled confidence out of just what? Like, your mom was cool? I have very supportive parents, <laughs> which... I think is wonderful, but I think maybe they're questioning their parenting approach (laughs) at some points when I have a podcast in my basement. They're like, we told her that she could be anything and look at her now, you know? Listen, (laughs) you're doing it though. Um, Okay. So this, okay. So I'm just trying to get a bigger picture of like what's happening in this trio in this room. So we have a person who was athletic, but also very much, you know, on her live in my own bubble world which seems like has not stopped what makes you say (laughs) and then we have the bully who became the bullied who then realized oh yeah i don't maybe don't want to be a bully okay we got a good mix (laughs) for this episode i'd say hold on are you wearing a yellow jacket shirt i am okay wait a second not to go off on a tangent but please tell me your lottie hive oh absolutely okay because recently because i've become lottie hive i've been non-stop buying lilac items <gasps> i have lilac bedroom slippers i have lilac ballet slippers i bought a lilac dress i i'm a person that really only wears black but like i'm so lottie hive after i finished that show that like when it comes back i'm going to be prepared 
to have my lilac clothing on. This is the second time you made me sweat this episode. Okay, this is the second time I'm going to ask, should I leave though? Should I just leave the two of you? I feel like you're having a nice time. Maybe I'll just... No, I need a chaperone so I don't make a fool of myself. Wait a second. Did you guys watch Euphoria? Love Euphoria. Yeah, I can't. And also the very troubling thing that takes place in my home is talk about different experiences. My husband says it's a nostalgia type of show for him because it reminds him of his high school years. I'm like, "Mm, pardon me? And his brother has said the same thing like to me without realizing that my husband has said that too. And I'm like, I am glad that we moved our two daughters away from where you grew up because no, thank you. Yeah. Now your husband's high school to be like, sir. Right? (laughs) So let me talk about this movie if we have to. Yeah, are we back to talking about the movie or do we want to talk about other stuff? Can we do our homework yet? (laughs) We can do both. We'll pass notes and do homework. So Dawn's home life is not much better than it is at school. Her older brother is in a garage band that includes, was that an oboe? That was an oboe, right? (laughs) We'll say it was. And her younger sister, the family favorite, is an annoying girl who spends her days leaping around in a tutu. And although she doesn't fully appreciate it, Dawn's only hint at relief in life is being a part of the Special People Club with her only friend, Ralphie, where meetings are held in the clubhouse in her backyard. And Ralphie's content with this life, but Dawn won't be satisfied until she's popular. Which, number one, that's when I truly understood that I was Dawn. I was like, okay. I get it. I've said this exact sentence to my dad. And then he, of course, is older, so he didn't know. He was like, but you have so many friends. That is popular. I was like, not if they're not popular. Like, we're all losers <laughs> together. That That's not popularity, Don. Relax. <laughs> and to this special people club, I was in one of my own. It wasn't called the special people club, but it might as well have been. Because in elementary, me and my friend Alex had the nature club and all we did was sweep up dirt at recess <laughs> wow uh-huh <laughs> was this a self-created club? oh yeah like there was no teacher but they gave us the broom of course they were like what do you need this for we were like nature club <laughs> oh my gosh how undesirable <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like the cleaning club it was the nature club yeah because we like swept it from <laughs> we swept it from the like blacktop into where the dirt should be oh you're giving back to the earth yeah we didn't rake okay. leaves we didn't do anything else just swept dirt off of the blacktop love that we certainly weren't gonna play ball <laughs> on it so oh sports no <laughs> yeah, forget about it were you in a special people's club or were you in all like real school sanctioned events my sister is five years older than me and had a 10 speed which was a very very big deal to me yeah. at the time. It, in fact, a lilac tends to be. Oh, circles become circles. She used to have three friends. They rode all around on, we lived in North Dakota on an Air Force base. So these three friends, they had half shirts and the half shirts had a rainbow on it. So they all four would go around, they'd go to the shopette, they'd buy little snacks and candy, whatever. And every now and again, she would have to take me with her. And she hated taking me with her because I'm five years younger, five years is a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So her club was called the rainbow club of very cool girls. And I was just not in it, but then got to be a part of it by proxy. So no, I was never in a real sanctioned club. I remember I wanted to be in girl scouts, but shorty was like, don't nobody got money for that. (laughs) So I was in a weird offshoot of girl scouts called prim roses or something that nobody's ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah. I bet you it was nothing. I bet you it actually wasn't even a real thing. My parents just told me that's what it was. But we just hung out in like a a hallway and colored for a little bit and then got picked up. But yeah, I wasn't in any real clubs. I I think I did debate. Mm, I like that. No, no real clubs. No. Mm -mm. Well, I've told my story of the OC Alliance, which was the club my friends and I created so that we could watch and talk about the OC in high school. So... That was pretty much the, like, least sanctioned club there was, because then, you know, sports. Right. So, moving on. (laughs) So, later, Dawn's mom does that thing that moms do when they try to plan it in your head how you should feel. So, she tells her daughters that they love and care about each other. And she's like, Dawn, you love your sister. You love her. Tell her you love her. And Dawn refuses to tell Missy that she loves her. So, her mother makes her stay at the dinner table until she does say it, which is never. So then finally, in the middle of the night, her mom concedes and lets Dawn go to bed. And this is how I used to be when my dad tried to force me to learn to play sports. Like, I would 
would miss catching the ball on purpose so that he would get angry after like a half hour and then say, we're not doing this and then give up. And then I didn't have to learn how to play (laughs) sports. Yeah. The only time I was ever like forced to stay at the dinner table was my mom. Well, my mom is a wonderful woman. Mom, you listen to this podcast. I'm sorry. Skip ahead. I'm about to talk mad shit about you. But again, very supportive, Melissa. Too supportive because she listens to this podcast where I just talk shit about her every single week. But we've talked about her biggest fear of being recommended to be on the show What Not to Wear. Her second biggest fear in life is giving my brother and me salmonella. <laughs> and so this fear led to the world's grossest chicken in human creation. (laughs) So my mom would bake the chicken and then she would be worried that it wasn't like cooked enough. So she would throw it in the microwave for like an extra couple minutes. (laughs) And I would be forced, I would be given the option. I either had to sit at the dinner table until like, you know, the little hand is at seven and the big hand's at six, or I could eat my chicken. And I waited out the clock every (laughs) single time because each bite was like, you know when you've been like chewing juicy fruit gum too long and it starts to like dissolve in your mouth a little bit? It was like that, except for some reason, like the more you chewed, the bigger the piece got. <laughs> like you were never going to get it down. I asked my husband before we started recording this podcast, I asked him what he would describe my mom's chicken as. And he said, it's like biting into a water hose. Okay, um, hold on, Chelsea. Let's just <laughs> let's just back up. <laughs> the, the, the chicken... She means it's like a breast. So she's going to take the breast. Mm -hmm. She's going to bake it. Then there's no salt and pepper. There's like a little bit of pepper and there's a shit ton of salt. (laughs) This is a woman from Michigan. Lots of salt. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then it's just baked. So it's in there just turning into that weird gelatinous beige. Uh Uh-huh. That's a great way of putting it. And then it goes in the microwave and then gets that gamey smell and taste. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, no, yep. man, I'm waiting at the clock. <laughs> Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the Force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, <laughs> unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of two hundred dollars or more it's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high quality collectibles or you can gift it to that super geek in your life perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that i've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby yoda and again that i refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. <laughs> like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. 
There's a reason why, like, you know, my favorite foods to this day are like ramen, McDonald's, Hot Pockets. Hot Pockets. Oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. My husband, I, I got home from New Orleans in November. And I think, you know, I was homesick a little because I had never been that away from my kids for that long. I was gone for three weeks during the filming. And then when we got home, we did a big supermarket shop. And in there, I had snuck in two cans of beefaroni. And I remember my husband being so disgusted. And he was just like, in what alternate universe do we have beef maroni in our house? And I was just like, I don't know. I saw it and I had like a visceral reaction to the packaging. And it was just one of those things where, you know, I came home from school. I locked the door. I, you know, turned on Dance Party USA. I made myself a bowl of beef maroni. And I was like, I just felt like I needed to feel like home. And he was like, are you going to start eating beef maroni? Because that's like... <laughs> really gross and you're 50 years old and I was like well you know cool judgmental a lot of times sometimes the things that we like to eat are comforting because it reminds you of that time in your life the food itself might be totally disgusting Absolutely. listen I'm gonna say beefaroni is delicious <laughs> um <laughs> but I understand your ramen pop tart thing yeah. it's a way to reconnect with the younger you and I mean, and, and it's worth the stomach ache, yeah. I think. <laughs> I just started doing the special K diet again, whether that's to reconnect oh, with middle school me or not. I don't know. I just knew it worked then and it's going to work now. Hold on a second. Oh, no. You eat special K breakfast, lunch and dinner? No, just two meals a day and then one regular dinner, which is supposed to be like a regular dinner. But then because I had special K for two meals, I just binged the shit out of Like I just had half a Pizza Hut pizza, a order of breadsticks and half wings. So for the cuties <laughs> that have been following the case of why Donnie's number twos smell like McDonald's lettuce, I think we have another lead. <laughs> oh my gosh, y'all are all the way tripping. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Melissa, welcome to the show. Listen, y'all are country, I get it. I get it. Hey, are we still talking about this movie? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> So Dawn is not supported by the school administration against her bullies, namely Brandon McCarthy. In science class, when she informs the teacher that he's cheating off of her test, it results in her getting detention and having to write an essay on dignity. And later, when he terrorizes her at a school assembly, she gets in trouble for fighting back. But I do want to use this time to talk about the assembly because the guest speaker was a girl who was a former kidnapping victim and i want to know why school assemblies are so wild because in my middle school we had these christians that came and tore phone books in half and they were like with jesus you can too i don't know what i don't know what it symbolized i mean i guess i do know what it symbolized but i don't know why the school decided that was a good person to hire okay hold on i we need to back up <laughs> Why did they tear up the phone book? To show you that, like, they had enough strength to just tear a phone book in half down the middle because of Jesus. <laughs> wow. Uh -huh. I want to know what, what that brainstorming <laughs> session was like. Yeah. They were like, how can we depict how strong Jesus' love is? I know. <laughs> Have you seen the Yellow Pages lately? It's pretty big. And then what happened was they took the donation because, you know, there were too many Yellow Pages. So they're like, how can we use this free donation? <laughs> Of yellow pages and make it work for us. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. And then what did the school do with the ripped in half phone books? I think maybe recycle, hopefully. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. We didn't get a copy of it or anything. There was no memorabilia about Christ's love. It was just a phone book tournament. Where'd you go to school? Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. That's where Ben Franklin allegedly flew his kite. Oh, Pennsylvania. Y'all are different. Y'all are special people. Pennsylvania is something special and very different. A little, okay. A little bit. This is all making a lot more sense. And now where are you from, Chelsea? I'm in the DMV. I'm in Maryland. Wow. Born and raised. Okay. Yep. So you know about Baltimore crabs. I sure do. Oh, baby. Okay. Because that's where Shorty's from. Um, Shorty on Homecoming, actually, the dinner was supposed to be... First of all, I'm assuming y'all saw Homecoming. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, y'all did. Okay, <laughs> y'all like what show was that, Melissa? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Were you on? Were you on television, Melissa? <laughs> many, many moons ago, and then also last week when they uh, invited Shorty and Mercy to come and cook a meal. It was really to focus more so on the Filipino dishes that my mom was cooking. You know, in love. 
and in friendship. And then when Shorty figured out that it was Viacom paying the bill because they flew them down, they quarantined for a minute, they COVID tested them. And then they went on a wild goose chase with my mom to every Asian supermarket in Louisiana so that she can get all of the ingredients for this very beautiful meal. And at one point, my dad texted me and was like, hold on, who paid for all this shit? And I was like, Viacom. He was like, oh, okay, babe, hold on. Let's get some crabs. (laughs) And so then it was, it became a whole big crab boil and it was just very lovely. But yeah, I know where you're from. I know a Maryland person when I see one. <laughs> That's our Chelsea. <laughs> All right. Bring this ship home, Donnie. I'll try. <laughs> There's still a lot to get through, but we'll try our best. Oh, we're still talking about Welcome to the Dollhouse? Correct. Are, That's tough. We are. We're, we're trying. <laughs> so in an unusual series of events that we're not going to get into, Brandon and Don begin a sort of secret relationship. But when she tells him she can't be his girlfriend, he storms out, which is even more unusual. Ralphie was spying on them. And when he comforts her by talking poorly about Brandon, she calls him the gay slur. And that leaves her with no friends at all. So now that she's friendless, her parents have a big party for their 20th anniversary and knock down Don's backyard clubhouse to make room which i had ptsd watching because my parents had a pool my whole life and when i went to college they got rid of it and now i don't really visit oh because they tore down that mess in the backyard (laughs) i can talk to them on the telephone i can't tan on the telephone like sorry lara well watching these parents plan their big 20th anniversary. It did remind me of when my grandparents, which I guess now that I've opened the floodgates talking about my grandfather, Pepe, like (laughs) he's just now a staple of this podcast because I realized I have so many stories about him. But when they had their 50th wedding anniversary, they had a huge party weekend in Las Vegas. They got remarried by Elvis. And then everybody had like these little buttons with my grandfather parents faces on them except for my dad who had a very special button because he got a button that said the reason because my grandparents had to get married after they got knocked up with him when they were 17 oh cute it seems like a lovely like everybody had lovely things to say about this weekend but pepe would go around to literally like every person he met and be like do you want to know the secret to staying married for 50 years and he'd like lean in all earnest and then he'd be like don't get divorced <laughs> And that was like his like stand up set he did all weekend. And I bet you he uses that same one like <laughs> oftentimes. Oh yeah, and now they just celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary. Oh, my you know God. the joke ages. Wow. <laughs> so cute. Not that bad. <laughs> On that note, back to the movie. So <laughs> At the party, Dawn looks for the love of her life and her brother's bandmate, Steve Rogers, to confess her love for him. And when she finds him, he's having sex and making fun of Dawn's special people club or the nature club, if you want to call it that. To make (laughs) matters worse, though, Missy pushes her in the kiddie pool, which her family watches on a loop on the VHS tape later that night, which... You know what I did with my sister's VHS tape, taped over her first birthday with um, Muppets, <laughs> with a Muppet special. <laughs> so I guess that is where I start to become the Missy in the trajectory of my life. Your villain origin story. <laughs> no, maybe hers. It's her first birthday that's filmed over. I just need it. I forget Muppets, Frog Prince. I needed it on VHS. Did you used to watch Fraggle Rock? Loved Fraggle Rock. Yes. Down to Fraggle Rock. <laughs> They just rebooted it. Did you see that? Well, they reboot every damn thing, which is why we're having this conversation. They rebooted some damn real world. And now look at me. I'm sitting in the closet <laughs> and recording this podcast. <laughs> I would have had you on with or without the reboot. Oh, thank you. And now you will be asked to come back again now that I know your loves are parallel to my loves. Oh, of course. Um, did you watch Dance Party USA? No, I don't know what that is. You mentioned it earlier and I just nodded, but I didn't know what it was. It was the dance show and there used to be like different dancers. There was a girl named Princess. She had a teardrop on her eye. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. Was it scripted or reality? It was like solid gold, but for white teenagers. Oh. It was really good. Now I need to find it on YouTube. My cousin watched that. And then whenever I got to be in the TV room when she was watching, I'd like scooch on over and watch. <laughs> oh, so yeah. good. Did you watch Jem and the Holograms? Jem, I love Jem. Jem is my cat's name after her. But if I sing the theme song, she'll run in, so I can't (gasps) sing it. You have her trained that way? Yeah. Uh huh. Can you train cats (laughs) with music? You. How hot was Rio with the blue hair? (laughs) So hot. Jem was so good. (laughs) Remember when they tried to reboot Jem and like the disaster of that? Terrible. It was terrible. 
You watched it? No. Okay, good. I can't remember, but I remember there was a problem when they rebooted it. Something like that. Yeah, I was the one on the message board talking shit about it. Do not see this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then I definitely didn't see it because you said so. Good, good. good. (laughs) So Dawn's mother asks her to give Missy a message. She has to find a ride home from ballet, but Dawn is still upset about the pool incident and Missy's overall being that she doesn't give her sister the message, which results in Missy being kidnapped. Now, Melissa, I know you explained how you related to Dawn and why this movie, like, meant something to you, but (laughs) this is the part of the movie when I said, like, Melissa, are you okay? Like, is this this, this comfort movie? How often did you watch this? Listen, we'd love to have you back on the podcast for like another wholesome feel good comedy, maybe like Sophie's Choice, (laughs) Shinko's List, like, you know, something that really makes you feel good and remember your childhood. You guys got to the kidnapping part and, and the part where he's like drawing on the chalkboard at three o'clock. You get, you guys are like, is Melissa okay? I was not expecting the true crime <laughs> twist. I have to be honest. So it was a twist. Me neither, to be fair. Yeah. The kidnapping was a little bit weird, but we needed it to push forward the idea that her dad is completely checked out, whatever. Mm-hmm. The mom is obsessed with the baby. So there's no way that she was ever going to rise to the level of like Missy importance. Mm-hmm. Steve was completely unattainable it was never going to happen but she really had it in her mind that it could when she's sitting on that roof of the car so yeah the kidnapping was a little bit crazy especially because I'm a mother of three and practically a helicopter mom and like my kids I I don't have free range kids they ain't allowed to do nothing we go in target and I'm like if I put my hands out like this and I can't touch you somebody is dead tonight um so like I am very overprotective okay yeah let's skip that part what (laughs) Well, no, please answer the question. How often did you watch it? I've seen the film like a dozen or so times okay. plus. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll take it. Well, the music score is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the okay. music. And I just, I love Heather. I do. Yeah. I think it, it's such a well-made film and it's a, it's it's so, so dark, but also so funny. Mm-hmm. So funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and but like tragically funny, uncomfortably funny. Yeah. The kind, it gives you church giggles <laughs> where like you're laughing and you're like, I should not be laughing mm. right now, but I it's making me laugh harder, and this is actually fucking hilarious. <laughs> yes, and then also like, wow, thank God I survived seventh grade. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. I'll allow it. <laughs> thank you. So the answer is Melissa. Okay, question mark. PPD. <laughs> <laughs> so with only 19 minutes left in this movie at this point, There's a lot that happens. Brandon is expelled for falsely selling drugs and is about to be shipped off to a reformatory. So he runs away to New York. And it appears New York is the place to be because that night at dinner, Don's mother gets a call from the police that Missy's tutu was found in Times Square. So Don takes a bus in the middle of the night and heads to New York City to find her sister. While she's there, Missy is found at home, unharmed. She was kidnapped by one of her neighbors who locked her away in a room in the basement so dawn calls to speak to her mother who still ignores her and just like the start of the movie things aren't much better at school dawn is speaking at a school assembly thanking everyone for their help in finding her sister when the school joins in a chant to taunt her okay so it was pretty dark (laughs) but dark's okay dark's okay I just, I have a relationship with movies in a way where, like, I get obsessive when I like things. So when you said you really like this movie, like, I I watched Bring It On every single day in senior year when I did my homework. So, like, I just imagined you doing the same with this movie. And I was like, oh, no, we have to save Melissa. <laughs> yes, it was one of those things where, like... I really liked it the first time I watched it and I just, you know, never stopped watching it. And it's one of those things where if I go past it, you know, it's on HBO Max now. If I go past it, like I'm going to I'm going to sit down and watch it. It's definitely weird, but it's also like kind of feels like home because it was one of those first films where you always remember the first weird film that you really, really, really liked Mm -hmm. where you thought, okay. I'm consuming this in a different way. Because, you know, you can't watch Raiders of the Lost Ark like the way you would watch Welcome to the Dollhouse. It's not mindless. Like, this is, like, requires you to think a little bit. And it also, like, hurts your feelings at the same Uh time. That's the kind of shit I like. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's a great way of (laughs) describing this movie. It did hurt my feelings. It did. That (laughs) juxtaposition of hurting my feelings but making me laugh because when she calls her brother and her brother's like, yeah, I think Missy's, she's the same. Actually, I think she kind of enjoyed being kidnapped. (laughs) She had her own television and she got control over the channel changer. Like, she's kind of good. And Dawn's like, what the fuck? Are you like, I'm in New York City. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, Chelsea was really going through it the first half of this movie. She texted me and she's like, I don't know who I relate to. I don't feel comfortable saying I relate to any of these people. Thank God Cookie joined the scene. (laughs) And then for the split second when Chelsea thought that Cookie was the one that was finger fucked, she really thought she found a soulmate. (laughs) I think this will be one I add to my routine. Yeah, thank you for introducing this to us. You hurt our feelings, but ultimately you gave us something today. Listen, it's a 90s... It's a, it's a respectable 90s cult iconic mm-hmm. hit. And um, I feel like it's a uniter for nerds, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. we're united. So <laughs> the movie ends with Don asking her brother if school ever gets any better. And he tells her that high school is better because it's closer to college. So the people still make fun of you, but not to your face. Was this our thesis statement for the movie? Like, this is supposed to be our takeaway, right? Yeah, that life sucks, <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah. I think our takeaway was actually, I've got a blow-up doll, and she looks like you, little girl. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that was our thesis. Make that our advertisement for the week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, final thoughts about this movie. If we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a remake, or what would the plot to a sequel be? So... True to form, I did not cast anybody because I don't know anybody, but I do think that this could be brought to present day, just following a middle school girl, present day, like there's new technology, weirdly like same fashion because everything old is new again. But like same problems too. Like I think that's the thing about this movie is it really was kind of like a documentary almost of just it was capturing a moment in time of what it was like to be in seventh grade. And I honestly think the same premise would work of just picking almost like a nobody, I think, Mm -hmm. like a nobody actress and plopping her in and just like following what it's like to be in middle school today. Because I think a lot of the same themes would still hit as far as like feeling like everybody else has it figured out and you don't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah. 100%. I don't know who who could do what Heather does. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. now like who who is that person that is just like so iconically cool but also nerdy but also just impossibly cool and that's like how I think of Heather mm-hmm. so I can't I, I don't know of who that would be for now but also what if what if we brought the film back and it's Missy in her life now and Missy has grown up still with this overinflated sense of confidence, but doesn't know she's the misfit in her mom group. (gasps) I just got the chills, Melissa. (laughs) (laughs) What if we wrote that film? Yeah, I love that. And now she goes to Dawn with all of her problems and Dawn sees all of it very clearly, but because Missy is a narcissist, she can't see it. I mean, that there could be a lot of really funny things yeah. in there. Missy would absolutely be the type of person to still have it in her like Instagram bio that she was kidnapped when she was like four years old. Yes. 100%. <laughs> and like her Avi would be the poster, yes. you know, like missing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, God. So when the director and writer does find this podcast episode, then please reach out to us because we do have a sequel ready for you. (laughs) (laughs) Final, final thoughts. What for us about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster? Well, the fashions aged well. I mean, all of the fashions would be in Urban Outfitters right now. Yes. The outfits she wears at the anniversary party. I really want Chelsea and I to make a like new advertisement for our podcast wearing those. Because (laughs) I love that outfit. Yes. Yes. I love that outfit. I think the bullying is the same. Mm -hmm. It's just that we have technology now. Yeah. That kidnapping would never happen because that kid would have had life 360 on her. That didn't age well. (laughs) She would have gone live on Instagram from the trunk. Like, hey, to my fans, I'm in the back of Mr. Whoever's car. Yeah, I do think, I mean, like, obviously we talk about every, almost every week with recapping movies from the 90s and 2000s. Like, 
the F word, the R word, but also again, it ages poorly, but in the same respect, it ages well, because I do think, again, it's just that 1996 doesn't age well in today's standards of what we put up with. Like I said, it's it's a documentary, mm-hmm. basically, this movie of like, this is what it was like, a moment in time, a picture, a snapshot. And so in the same ways it doesn't age well, it also, I think, ages well for capturing. It's a period piece, yeah. basically. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the language was easier for me to swallow in this because it is in a, like, bully lens. Whereas, like, when you see it as, like, a punchline in whatever, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days or a punchline in something else, it's different. But here it just felt so real and raw. The problematic language was was spoken by problematic people. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who were doing it to hurt other people. Yes. So it was like, no, we're, we're saying this specifically mm-hmm. because we are bullying yes. you. And so then as a viewer, you understand that the bully is wrong. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that sense, even though language doesn't hold up now, the way that you are supposed to receive it was that it was supposed to hurt and it, st- it still does hurt. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I feel like I picked a winner. You really did. You really <laughs> Yeah, this is the most, like, a film student I've ever felt during the year on this podcast. Yeah, usually we're just talking about, like, what Donnie's poop smells like and, like, whatever rant I choose to go on this week. We were, like, dissecting it. So thank you, Melissa. My God, I feel like this is the smartest we've ever been. So, I mean, take that with what you will, but... If the smartest you've ever been uh, is because yeah. of something a person on the real world brought to your attention, <laughs> you gotta really examine. Let me add that to my list to talk to my therapist about next week. Oh, God. Well, on that note, we did it. So, so thank you again. We did it, Joe. Yeah, we really did. <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for coming on. I hope we didn't scare you away too much. No, not at all. I'm very I'm very <laughs> excited to hear how you guys cut this up and make us sound smarter. <laughs> We're already smart. I told you. So if anyone is living under a rock and doesn't know, please let them know where they can follow you, where they can listen to your podcast, all of the things. And any upcoming projects yeah. or writing or anything? Oh, not yeah. upcoming projects. Uh, <laughs> well, all of the projects just ended. You know, Real World Homecoming just ended. So I'm really totally back into my regular non-TV life. So, you know, I've got closets to clean. Coming up next, Melissa's <laughs> got to organize her closet. Melissa's got to get to Costco. But if you want to listen to my podcast, I have a podcast. The premise of it is getting to know a stranger. So my podcast partner and I have never met. We have been working together for two years now. We have 80 plus episodes in the bank. It's called Imperfect Strangers. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. When I'm not doing that, you know, lounging around on my blue checked Instagram accounts that they're definitely going to take away at any time now. (laughs) So follow me on my blue checks while I still have a blue check. I'm only going to matter for like a couple more weeks. Other than that, you know. Same old, same old. I'm on my stay-at-home mom grind. So don't find me. (laughs) Look, you guys found me and look at me. A mess. (laughs) Not a mess. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. So we will talk to you later. Love Love you like like a sister. sister. Bye. Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash I Am The Cute One. And go to I Am The Cute One.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to, to you later. later. Love Love you like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.